when that kind of like worms its way into into I am so proud of you when it worms its way into Mike's own impression did it again (laughs) you son of a bitch this last time I bend over and I stick it in you what he sounds kind of sounds like Mario a little bit it's really weird (laughs) oh boy Why didn't you pull the machines? Why didn't you call them? You didn't see what was going on? Well, there's no way to determine that. Yes, yet. there is. An infallible way. They won. What's well, a casino? People got to win sometimes. Hey, what do you think? I'm a fucking idiot. Probability on one four-wheel machine is a million and a half to one. On three machines in a row, it's in the billions. It cannot happen. Would not happen. You fucking Momo, what's the matter with you? Maybe it was the love of the planets. Maybe it was just my growing dislike for this one. But for as long as I can remember, I have dreamed of going into space. Now that I've met you... Would you object to never seeing me again? The biggest regret of my life, I let my love go. That price on my head, was that dead or alive? Don't remember. See if he starts shooting. I don't ask you over for dinner and then suggest you give a lecture on the peoples of Mesoamerica or whatever your pre-Columbian shit is. This is my job. This is how I pay the fucking rent. The same gentleman that told me that you tried to get your broker's license also told me that you were a straight arrow. He ran a security check on me. Well... Sail on a boat fit for a Bond villain. Sometimes you need to play the part, right? First of all, dude, you don't have an ex. Secondly, this is a fucking show dog with fucking papers. You can't board it. It gets upset. Its hair falls out. Walter. Fucking dog has fucking papers. Over the line! Huh? I'm sorry, Smokey. You were over the line. That's a foul. What happened? Did your your balls drop off? Hello there, and welcome into episode 28 of Film Tank. I am... Wow. That, that's wow. a lot. 28, that's a high number. Wow. I can't believe we made it. You know? Someday we'll get to episode 29, so that's, that's right. good. Hopefully. See if it's in the budget. <laughs> that's right. Uh, the other two voices you hear are Nick Cheney and Toussaint Egan. You got to know when to hold them. Know when to fold them. <laughs> Is that like a bad country song from, from Rounders? You've never heard of The Gambler by Kenny Rogers? Oh, Alex. There, there are literally moments in our friendship where I question, you know, oh. the point of it all. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Fuck, man. This is not one of them. I just oh. wanted you to know that they exist. Oh, well, oh thank God. you for that. <laughs> That was heavy as shit. Fucking asshole. Uh, Toussaint Egan also here, as I mentioned. Life is on the wire. The rest is just waiting. Okay. And uh, I am here. Me. Well, at least that was a line from the movie. That is true. They were fucking quote from the movie. I I was just singing Kenny Rogers. I know. I had already just had enough of your Kenny Rogers bullshit. We're, you know, 45 seconds in. And I'm like, all right, that's enough, guys. She rides wild horses. I know way too many Kenny Rogers songs. (laughs) You do. I think that's what this episode will be. Did your parents, like, have a Kenny Rogers thing when you yes. were a kid. Oh, okay. That is actually exactly how it happened. <laughs> I was going to say, because I, I don't really foresee you uh, being a Kenny Rogers fanboy with your no. little cowboy hat being like, yo, what's up, Kenny? Ruby, don't take your love to down. Okay. <laughs> That's all the intro is going to be. It's just nine. Just me. Nine <laughs> singing singing yeah. Kenny Rogers. Pretty oh, much. man. It's well, me. Kenny, if you're listening, well, the other Kenny. <laughs> 
Katie Rogers, if you're <laughs> listening. Oh, boy. This is just getting so convoluted. Yes, it is. I love it. It's like a Marvel film. Are we even talking about a movie today? Or? We are, in fact, talking about a movie. Uh, I thought we were movie, talking about Kenny Rogers. No, unfortunately, we're not going to spend the next uh, 30 to 45 minutes just talking about Kenny Rogers. <laughs> Everyone's really disappointed, I know. But I we are going to be talking about something that does relate to gambling, <laughs> and that is the 1998 <laughs> film Rounders, uh, starring Matt Damon and Edward Norton. Okay, I'm right. I'm right. Uh, what's the limit here? Big bet's twenty dollars. Good. Okay. It's twenty. You've seen half the hand. How the hell are you betting into us? We know what we're holding, and we know what you're holding. The hell you know what we all have. <laughs> uh, well, you were looking for that third three, but you forgot the professor Green folded it on Fourth Street, and now you're representing it. You have it. The DA made his two pair, but he knows they're no good here. And Mr. Eisen is just futilely hoping that his queens are going to stand up. <laughs> Kiss my Take butt. it down. All right. Take a seat next to me. I want to, but I don't play cards. How can I concentrate with you looking like that? I'm really late. Oh, Come on, I'll be really quick. You won't feel a thing. <laughs> For the last two years, Mike McDermott has been doing the sensible thing. Explain the holding in the Luther Campbell case. That look might induce me to give you a passing grade, but unfortunately, I'm not the one grading the exams. But his best friend just got out of jail. I can't believe you still know someone called Worm. He's like my brother. You domesticated yourself for this girl. And needs someone to lean on. I need money. I gotta get together some roll here. I consolidated your outstanding debt. 25 grand and still running. What I did was go partners with an old friend of yours. We do what we used to do, man. You find the games, you scout them, I sit and I mop them up. Michael McDermott. I knew you'd be back. Last night, I sat down at that table, and I felt alive. Beginner's luck, huh? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. I was getting all these great cards. I took every dime he had. My blood was bubbling. My skin was tingling. I like being here. You know, I could stay. I was James Colburn in the Magnificent Seven throwing knives. The fellas notice how he wins every time he deals. Hold on there. Whoa. Guys are cheap. Right now, he's ruining your reputation. If you don't give my money, then you are mine. I vouched for the wrong guy, so now it's on me. But I can't stay for this. For what? To watch you go all in again. You don't leave yourself any else. You can't run from ourselves. Our destiny chooses us. Deal. Matt Damon, Edward Norton, John Turturro, John Malkovich, Gretchen Maul, Famke Jansen, and Martin Landau. Rounders. This film was directed by John Dahl, who uh, really has not done much yeah. in terms of major films. Uh, he's directed a couple episodes of House of Cards. He's directed Ooh. a couple episodes of Hannibal. Oh, really? Term- yeah, he's gotten involved with oh, television shit. a lot. Well, that means he's a very <clears throat> talented director, because literally every episode of uh, Hannibal is ex- expertly directed. Well, and he's gotten a lot involved with a lot of series. He did a couple episodes of Californication. Okay. He's you know, been involved in TV a lot more, yeah. but he uh, directed this film. Yeah, well, you've got to find what, what works for you. That's right. Because you can't just keep on directing films and going nowhere with them like Paul especially when you, does. So. Uh, yeah. Especially when you look at this film, though, because it's like, I'm not talking about the film itself uh, yet, but this was like, wasn't it, was it straight to video? Or it just felt like it because it just it did not bombed. do well in right. the theaters because, at all. And then it didn't even catch on until it, of course, uh, went to video and then the whole Texas Hold'em craze came up. I was going to say, this is a film that has definitely benefited by uh, the society around it because... 
If poker and online poker had not become what it did, uh, rounders would not have become nearly as popular. Though in a way, it also it works both ways because then it also kind of dates it because obviously a lot of people still play poker. Like that's not disputable. But as far as like even the mainstream caring about poker, like we used to have like celebrity poker that I used to watch all the time on Bravo, you know, sure. things like that that was popular because it was popular. But now this kind of film, it's kind of like if you watch it today, as we've done um it's uh it's uh it's almost like watching like a movie that you're like oh yeah i forgot like people actually like regular people were really into this and that's the only reason why it pretty much got you know popular at a certain point well this film does do a good job of showing underground poker which i can guarantee you still exists and it's in that in that form Obviously, the the poker world is a lot different today than it was shown in uh, Rounders in the uh, 1998 version of uh, America. But uh, the the film, if you don't know anything really about it, uh, is about a young man who is a reformed gambler who must return to playing high-stakes poker to help a a friend pay off loan sharks. Fucking worm. Yeah, worm uh, is played by uh, Edward Norton in a very... Uh, kind of unusual role for Edward Norton, but uh, a role that's played well nonetheless. Matt Damon plays Mike McDermott, the main character in the story. And Rounders, though, is known for a lot of uh, character actors who show up throughout the film. Uh, Gretchen Mole is a supporting character. Also, we see other people uh, like Famke Jansen and also Martin Landau shows up. And the two people who are mostly remembered from this film are John Turturro playing Joey Kanish and John Malkovich playing Teddy KGB and just putting on one of the worst accents you have ever heard in your life. Yeah, I do you originally want a cookie. I, originally, I was going to do an impression for my intro, and couldn't even I, get down that far. Nope, I just <laughs> I'm not John Malkovich. I cannot debase myself that way. This motherfucker, he 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 ticked me. What a bitch, Malkovich. It's, what the problem is? It's it's way more over the top than that. I know, but it's, that's the I, thing. No, it's 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 insane. You can only try. You can only do so much when you're just sitting in front of a microphone. You know, it's true. So, who wants to start off about rounders? I think Toussaint uh, should start off because out of everybody, he was the most recent viewer of it because he watched it just before we started recording this episode. He did. So, since you are very fresh, and uh, Nick and I were a little bit longer in terms of. Uh, yeah. How long has it been since we've seen the actual movie that we're talking about today? Um, why don't you start us off? Okay, cool. Um, yeah, I, I've never actually seen Rounders before, and so what this is really want to see it because you were the one who kind of first brought it up, like when we originally discussed it, wasn't it? Or no? Well, the reason why I actually wanted to see it, like yeah, I it was on Netflix. That's it was on Netflix, and <laughs> I'm, I'm working back for the reasons. Like one, it was on Netflix. Two, I saw that it starred Matt Damon and Edward opposite Norton. of that Edward Norton. And those are two very very good actors, and I saw that John Turturro was in it. I was like, holy shit! It's like this has a lot of pretty good cast like i would go see it but the first time this film actually like came on my radar was that very same quote that i actually used to like open up this podcast which is life is on the wire the rest is just waiting i thought that's such a badass line what is that fucking from and it was from papa walande some uh like tightrope uh walker but the actual quote that i actually heard was from matt damon in this movie so i wanted to like watch the film and like see what the context of that quote was and it's just as badass Mm -hmm. um 
I had never seen this film before uh, today, and I think that it's actually a really good film. It's like it kind of drags a bit just simply for the fact that I'm not familiar with the world of like high stakes poker or poker in general. So a lot of that terminology kind of like just went over my head. But just like watching the character interactions and seeing this guy who's constantly like chasing after this pipe dream of going to the World Series for like Las Vegas poker and like winning a million dollars and being like one of those made poker guys and losing it all to KGB. That was like, that's just, it's such a crestfallen moment. It's like, holy shit. Like, how is he going to be able to bounce back from that? I was say, it's really a great way to open a film. Like you always think that that's the kind of moment that a film would like obviously head towards as far as like, there's something about it considering it's very prolonged. I want to say that opening lasts like a good 15 or 20 minutes. Uh, so you kind of think that that's not going to happen. I mean, maybe you don't or whatever, but I just, as far as like, I don't know, it's, it's kind of it, crazy economical of the script to actually build up the stakes <laughs> well enough so that by the p- time he does lose, even though we've only known this character for 15 or so minutes, it mm-hmm. actually it is very effective, I think. Yeah, I, I liked his his arc starting out. Like, he has to start from the bottom, and he's been humbled for that. Like, we, we learn, like, later on in the film, like, why he even, like, went into that sort of, like, situation. But the fact that he has to, like, drive around delivery truck, he used, like, his poker earnings in order to push himself through, like, law school. And he's trying to become a lawyer, and he's just trying to go on the straight and narrow. And his friend... Um, Worm gets out of gets out of prison and such a worm. Yeah, he is. He actually is, he has no fucking backbone. Is like he's played expertly by Edward Norton, and you just like see these two guys who are just in two different places in their life. Where whereas like Mike is trying to get clean, he's trying to like do the right thing by his girlfriend and by his career and by his mentors. Whereas Worm is just still the same guy because he's been in stasis for so many years. I think an interesting part about Worm's character comes when we're first introduced to him where he's in his last day in the uh, in the prison and he's playing poker with a bunch of the uh, the guards yeah. and with a bunch of the other prisoners and they're playing for cigarettes because that's what you have to play with in mm-hmm. prison. They don't have lots of money to play with whatever. He's playing with cigarettes, giving them to other people in the prison to, you know, kind of play different sides, whatever. It's their internal currency. That's true. However, we see a lot about what Worm's character really is, and I don't think it's just because it's cigarettes, because I know he doesn't really care about smoking, whatever. Doesn't smoke. But although when he's walking out of the prison, he dumps yes. the whole fucking thing of cigarettes in the garbage, yeah. which I feel like is a great parallel to him in real life, that the game is not about the money, it's about the thrill of playing, and also the thrill of undermining your opponent and beating them, which is really his whole fucking game. So, yeah. And that's why he'll never learn because money will never be enough. And when he doesn't have enough money, then he'll just like skip out of town and like yeah. pin it on somebody else. What unlike, fucking jackass. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> unlike Mike, he never did learn when to walk away, which is, you know, like what we see Mike do in the beginning. And of course that's what worm, uh, basically, I don't know, challenges him to do toward the, the middle of the film when he either he has to walk away, which is essentially walking away from his friend, or, you know, actually do it this time. He never knew when to hold them and when to fold them. I really agree, Toussaint. That's really beautiful. Yeah, I know. I do also love Worm's line uh, in the middle of the film, right after Gretchen Mole uh, decides she's had enough of Mike. And you know what? Why not? Because he's honestly on a really bad path. He's not going to be a lawyer. He's going to be a card player now again. And she just... uh, drops his ass and Worm desperately trying Mike to go to the Taj Mahal says you know what in the game of life 
women are the fucking rake. Like, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> he is like, well, do you actually know what that means or not? No, I don't know what that means. So in poker, the uh, the rake when you're playing at a casino, yeah, the rake yeah. is what the house takes out of the pot. It's usually ten percent. So okay, whatever uh, is bet on that, that's how they make their money off of poker because you are paying them to play there, basically. So yeah, that's what the the rake means. But it's it's funny because Worm is just a such a awful human being, um, but that he never even like thinks about other people or whatever. He's only thinking about himself and yeah. what yeah, best benefits his situation. Right? He cannot fathom that this is not the most healthy behavior <laughs> whatsoever. It's like who gives a fuck about being healthy? It's about me. It's yeah. Like that. Well, that's that's exactly what his character yeah. is. But I think that's actually kind of what makes their whole friendship kind of affecting because it is one of those situations where you would easily see why Matt Damon would be like, no, fuck this, you know, whatever. But that's also showed, like, you know, it's it's those kind of, I would say, like, character descriptors, so to speak, that actually speak for themselves as to, like, why Matt Damon will continue to put himself on the line for the character. The one selfless act that Worm has ever been accredited for in the film didn't even happen on screen it's it's him like when they were were kids like they were they were running some type of ring and uh worm got expelled from his school and he refused to give up mike for some reason like uh, probably out of loyalty probably out of friendship and that was the person who went into into prison but the person who came out is just like he's completely self-serving yeah um, oh, go ahead, go okay. ahead, Nick. I was just gonna quickly say some thoughts. I uh, I was a huge fan of this movie when I was a, uh, like thirteen or so when <laughs> the poker, I, and I don't even mean that insulting, but as far as like when I first discovered this movie uh, was when it kind of just hit DVD and poker was all the craze, and I actually did love poker even as a kid, and I do now. Um, so that's kind of how I discovered it. I barely even knew I knew who Edward Norton was, but I barely at the time knew who Matt Damon was because that was obviously only just after Goodwill Hunting and whatnot. And, uh, I, I mean, I love this movie. I watched it, like, it, one of those movies where, like, when I was that young and I got it for the first time, I watched it, like, once a week or something like that mm-hmm. because I just I ate it up. I thought these two actors were phenomenal. And just... I, I do agree that if, like, if you're not into poker, this could definitely be a hard sell because it really really is just a lot of just, you know, basement scenes of them sitting down to play and whatnot or the casino and every once in a while. But that's also kind of what I love about it. That's kind of the reason why a film like this wouldn't really get made today. I mean, if you think about the sport of poker, like, this is a sports film in some way because it's, it doesn't look like one, and obviously poker, by some people, might not be thought of one, but this is an, an inherently uncinematic sport. It's, it's people sitting around a table not saying what they're thinking or feeling and hoping that they can somehow how win because of that and i think that's kind of what i love and i do think that this director john dull um uh, pulls it off is that he there's a lot of i think great sequences in this that are just in, entertaining on their own right simply because of like how i don't even know if i'd say suspenseful but just how wonderfully paced it is it's like you know it's, it's the equivalent of a good sports movie like when you watch a football movie or something and they pace like the, the actual games well because you're get you're getting into the actual spectating of it and it's very hard to obviously get into the spectating of poker if you're not into it to begin with. But I thought it was fantastic. Some kind of special things that I noticed um, the last time I watched this was um, one thing I actually kind of love is that I love that the script is almost like a film noir with Mike, or not 
with Mike being your typical film noir protagonist, because A, he's narrating it, B, poker itself is always, especially the underground version, is a lot of times under, uh, literally underground in some instances, but uh, like always at night and that kind of thing. Um, but also, uh, Worm essentially plays the femme fatale character, because he's the one that's from his past, comes to him, brings him out of what he thought he was done with, you know, the life that he would ever, mm-hmm. and seduces him back into this world that he thought he'd have no part of, you know? That skips out on time, <laughs> motherfucker. Yeah, so I kind of love this kind of film noir vibe that I got from it. I didn't, obviously, when I was a child, but now that I'm a little more well-versed in cinema and whatnot, like, that's really what is going on here. And you have, um, but what's, I want to say, um, the money itself is also kind of another tie into, like, film noir, because as much as, obviously, yeah, they do need to pay back their debt it's also kind of a MacGuffin because whether they pay back the debt or not doesn't really matter it's all about more Mike's journey of kind of self-actualization within this kind of underground world tell that to Mike the journey to not have his kneecaps pushed in yeah Yeah. I was going to say it's not about the money it's totally about the money money because if if, I mean I know in the in the the film world it works out for him in the end but however if he just were to do the same thing as Worm just escape I'm, I guess would have been a, whole, them, a really different film probably correct although if for me at least if the movie is only about the money then it's not a good movie because why do I care if I'm if a person wins back true. the money that they owe like that's the most boring thing but it is a you could device center. of a plot though yeah okay stakes yeah. is high so, alright so then I, I agree that maybe MacGuffin is the wrong word okay but what I'm saying is that it Despite the fact that on the surface that that's what it looks like it's about, I it really is standing in place of things other for other things. Like, it's secondary to the primary concern, right. which is Mike's own like journey into finding right, like, himself. Essentially, like a coming of age story, like whether he'll actually grow up and you know s- settle down with his girlfriend if that's the life he wants, at least, or whether he'll stay loyal to his friend and whatnot. I guess I just mean that the the money is not the issue. It is for Mike, but not for the viewers. For not for me, at least. I I don't know. Well, how to in, describe it. Um, Mike, the first time he's at Teddy KGB's place. If he would have won the first time, he would have probably had run on a very similar path that he went on later in the film when, at the very end, he leaves for Las Vegas and just gets in a cab and goes to play poker in Las Vegas. You know, he, he doesn't really change his path that much of what he wants in life. Obviously, things change with him and his girlfriend. Uh, things change with him and Worm as they kind of settle their relationship a little bit. But really, him as a person doesn't really change that much. He he goes through a lot of change in his life, but he ends up at the at pretty much the same place where he started. So. Yeah, I thought that was kind of fucked up in hindsight is like well he's just gonna end up going to to vegas after he's gone for this entire ordeal but the whole conversation between him and his mentor that professor about his professor like used to live in in europe when he was younger and he was bound to go into a synagogue he was meant to be a, a, a priest but eventually he realized like that wasn't his real calling and he ended up just being kind of shuffled off to america to live with cousins and he found his true calling which was as a professor what i'm hearing from you two right now is that rounder the basically like the close cousin of the movie showgirls by paul verhoeven <laughs> About a what are showgirls that literally starts and ends in Vegas because they think they can do better and uh, yeah <laughs> no I'm just but I am getting flashbacks to the uh, like that opening closing uh, image of almost like Lewin Davis esque uh, cycle of uh, life yeah I mean it, it's 
that goes back to what you were saying about how this film is more about the journey than everything. Because, like, like you were saying, and Showgirls is actually an example where she. Ends, <laughs> I wasn't just bringing up well, Paul just because well, I would never do that. <laughs> sure, you wouldn't. Uh, you have on almost every episode, so you know whatever. But it's really she almost ends up in. Although I, I will kind of disagree that it's the same because she doesn't really end up in the same place because she's going to Vegas at the beginning of Showgirls and then she's leaving to her next journey. Right. Where in this film, he his goal is always to go to Las Vegas to play poker. Yeah. So. No, I, I I I was mostly making a joke. Oh, you just want to get Paul Verhoeven's name I in there, didn't but you? But the ending of Showgirls, like the scene itself, literally mirrors that scene as if yeah. like she will continue whether literally but um, but yeah no. yeah, I just wanted to bring up Paul Verhoeven that's all but, shocking. Uh, shocking but yeah the supporting cast of this movie is fantastic I love Martin Landau like from uh, Crimes and Misdemeanors one mm-hmm. of my favorite films also Ed TV <laughs> <laughs> also that yes um, but <clears throat> what's funny is I actually I I give a lot of people grief sometimes because I love cringe comedy and like there are some people who can't stand it because it is too uncomfortable for them and I, I have a point with this don't worry um, <laughs> but like I like I can't fathom that because I love cringe comedy like I I don't even think it's awkward I just think it's funny sure and on the flip side of that. There isn't really such a thing as, as like cringe drama per se, but there is one storyline in any piece of like fiction that will make me like squirm, and especially if it's not done comedically but seriously. And it's always about people like owing money. And so when he has to go back to him to uh, to get the uh, the money, right, to Bart Landau's character, mm-hmm. who I'm forgetting the name now, but. Um, and to ask for the extra money when he never thought, obviously, he was going to have to do that. Yeah. Like, that's one of the most uncomfortable scenes ever because I actually think it takes the gravity of that situation seriously, which is not only, obviously, asking for a large sum of money, but, like, not being able to fully admit out loud that, like, you know, he's not going to fulfill that potential that Martin Landau's character saw him saw in him originally. So I just thought that's one of the greatest scenes of the whole movie. In that, that set in that bar between the two of them. Yeah, that's uh, the the bar. What, is it a bar? Where is it? Uh, the the bar is the conversation that happens where he, he uh, Martin Landau's character, oh, that's lets right. him yes. know about kind of his past and no, yes, and his escaping bar. to become what he really wanted to be and not a a rabbi. I conflated the two scenes. And yes. the, they are in his office, I believe, for okay. the uh, scene. If you would have watched the film, you would have known this. Oh, like you watched it, Alex? I did. I watched it a while ago. Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> Um, another part of this film, as we were talking about the supporting characters, is uh, John Turturro uh, and uh, Teddy KGB, played by uh, John Malkovich. We've we brought them both up before here, but you talk about two um, two characters playing somewhat kind of, I would say, separate characters from what we would expect them to be, where I feel like I would assume John Turturro would be playing this wacky, crazy character, and John Malkovich, not that he wouldn't play that kind of character, but we see him playing a lot more kind of straight guy characters these days, which Mm -hmm. is little unusual in this film it's complete opposite where kanesh is just very 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 straight depressed and mumbled and eh, just gotta go through the grind of the day and feed the family and whatever but we see teddy kgb who's just fucking out of control at all times just screaming all this shit eating his fucking oreos all that good stuff he's not out of control until somebody like fucks with his oreos 
I don't know about that because his like portrayal of the character is out of control. Whether it be his ridiculous outfit that he's always wearing the same thing, his belly which is sticking out. He's like a cartoon character who wears the same fucking thing every day. He has like a like a grandma like like bulge out of his like pants region, which is really odd. Uh, I don't really know why he has. That. <laughs> I don't know what is that. And just uh, his demeanor. And when do you have my money? It's just so. When I bend you over and yeah. I take this. <laughs> this last time I bend over and I stick it in you. Yeah. What? He sounds kind of sounds like Mario a little bit. It's really weird. <laughs> Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> oh boy! The worst part is that uh, he was better at playing Mario than uh, the guy in Mario Brothers. So that's uh, something that's Bob Hoskins. Yes, yeah, that's really rude. Yeah, Bob Hoskins with the great Mario. Was he really? He was. I mean, he was great for what he was given. I mean, <laughs> he wasn't given a lot. He wasn't given a lot, but he he gave it his all. He but sure no, it, I, I just um, everyone gives uh, John Malkovich's accent a hard time because it is really bad. But man, I wouldn't I wouldn't change it for a thing. I love him in this movie. Knish is one of my uh, John Turturro's character. Knish is one of my favorite characters of this film just because before you know the whole details of like why he does what he does like worm is the the person that comes in and he's just like look at this fucking guy he's like he sees all the angles but he's not he sees too chicken shit to go after any of them and it's like he just been grinding out for like 15 years like he's never mm-hmm. gonna do anything he's never gonna like go anywhere with it and eventually when that kind of like worms its way into oh. into so, I am so proud of you yeah I know <laughs> uh, when it worms its way into Mike's own impression ah, did it again <laughs> you son of a bitch of, of Kanish um and he actually brings it up to him, and he's just like, you son of a bitch. And it's like, do you understand what it is I do? And it's just like, I got to pay, like, rent and alimony and, like, child support and stuff. It's like, I feed my family. It's like, that's what I do with my money. It's like, just because I'm not chasing after some pipe dreams. Like, I made this work for, like, 15 years. That's more than any other person has been able to do. And I was just like, who the fuck are you? But a lot of other people think he's a sucker for doing that. That he's, no. He spends his life... Like, if he has the capability of doing it, why doesn't he do more? Yeah. Well, that's but kind I, of the feeling. But yeah. also, he also is not willing to risk the kind of money that it would require to do that. You don't have the highs and the lows of poker. I believe there is even a mention um, by uh, Mike talking about uh, f- uh, professionals playing No Limit Hold'em that they can't take the swings of winning $20,000 in one hour and then but the next KGB, hour. it's the only pure way to play. <laughs> Well, for a lot of people, he says, you know, pre play. That is something that we mentioned already. Uh, Nick, you mentioned it, how, how this talks about a lot of technical aspects of poker. Uh, and I feel like this film does such a great job when it comes to that in terms of dropping little Easter eggs of terms, like knowing that um, if you get two kings in Texas Hold'em as your, your whole cards, uh, they are called cowboys and that kind of thing. Like That's just one of those cool things that there are just lots of little things about the game of poker that we learn throughout this film. We even have it's, real people from poker who are mentioned, like Johnny Chan, I think, and... Um, 
like there was mentions of Doyle Brunson and then people who are like really in the poker world. And there's even watch a an old video of the an old World Series of Poker at one point. So it's it's this film does a really good job kind of interweaving the game into the film while still having a real narrative about it. I think it's, yeah, I think the script itself, what it with regard to the poker itself, is written in a way that like anybody can follow along at home. But if you know your stuff, you'll also pretty much appreciate the attention to detail with uh, with regards to the the technical terms and whatnot. For sure. So how about um, the relationship we see between Mike and Gretchen Moll's character as they have this really unusual boyfriend-girlfriend relationship when it comes to later on in the film where it's, I guess, unusual for the time when this film came out, but it was also kind of good for Gretchen Mall's character that she didn't ever come running back to Mike or or thinking that, you know, she needs to be with him or whatever. She just went on living her own independent life. And even though they do meet up at the end of the film, they're not they don't have this like big reconciliation of, oh, we love each other like they are two separate people living separate lives and they are just gonna stay the fuck away from each other because why wouldn't they just do that? Yeah. Yeah. Um I completely agree. I, I do like the idea that at least, even if I think she's a little underdeveloped uh, mm-hmm. as a character, at least you are right in the sense that, yeah, she's not written to be a like a damsel in distress or like a oh I was so silly to think that you couldn't win so much money and now I love you type uh, situation. <laughs> you, you want so much money now I love you. Yeah. Well, I mean that's, that's pretty much the only way that would come across if she did get back yeah. with. It. I mean, there's no other way to write that uh, as far as how they set it up. So, well, and we see the other female in the in the film is Famke Jensen. Character, and she's a interesting kind of opposite character where she plays a she basically runs uh, the uh, the club that she runs in the underground poker room. I always forget the name of it. Oh, KGB. No, that's a different club. Okay, that's right. Yeah, it is a different club. I always forget the name of it. I don't yeah. know why. I should know this by now. I've seen it so many times. But anyways, so she runs this club, and uh, Worm owes money to this club or whatever. Fucking Worm. The Chesterfield is what it's called, yeah. by the way. And uh, she comes over one night to try to collect the money and shake down uh, Matt Damon's character. And it it's just a really weird scene that kind of plays out because she basically says, you know, oh, I can stay over if you're lonely. And... I don't know. I feel like that's a weird like scene where, oh, she's going to knock off some of the money you owe if she stays. It was. I always just got the impression that that was just a very no, odd scene the, for the, me. The impression that I got was that they were there was some pre-existing or like relationship between that too. Those but two. it's weird when you have a. Um, when you have a person who owes someone else money and then there's a sexual relationship, which usually when that is shown in film or literature, it's a man and a well, you know a woman at some point and the man trying to get sexual favors from the woman. And it's just weird how that all played out in this film it was very, very kind of backwards of what you inverted that dynamic. That that's actually a good way to describe it. I would think. Good for you. I know, but I I I just feel like that was always just kind of a weird part of the film that seemed like kind of an odd pacing choice. That for me, I was just kind of like, huh, okay. Well, I guess she's gonna. Oh no, she wants to. Oh, okay. Oh, so well, yeah. okay. Well, I guess that's that's. Good. And then she's never heard from again after that scene. So, got to give her that money. Pay her what you owe her. <laughs> Yeah, this has gone off the rails a little bit here, guys. Train wreck. Uh, let's see. Other parts of uh, Rounders. How long has it been? 
Uh, a little over thirty minutes. We can oh, pull, yeah. pull her in for. I a thought landing. like because you were like asking me questions because it was like only fifteen minutes or something. No, okay, we'll, right. we'll be fine. Yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> All right, guys. So uh, I think we hit on. Uh, honestly, it's kind of tough because this isn't like a very in-depth film. Rounders. Yeah. I mean, it, that's probably prob- one of my faults with it. Okay. But, I mean, do you want me to go into like final thoughts or? Um, if if you have something more to say, you can. But if you want to say that and give your final thoughts, uh, I mean, that yeah, is your prerogative. That's pretty much what I was going to bring up at the end of the day, which is like. There are a lot of things to like about this, especially the performances. I think that's kind of what carries the entire film, because for me, at least, if if it wasn't Damon and Norton in these roles, I do like poker, but I don't know that I would like watching two hours of this particular without that rapport between the two of them. Um, But it really does do a good job of, I would say, depicting this lifestyle and whatnot. I kind of love that, despite the fact that there are a lot of different scenes of poker playing, it's almost like a different context each time. Like, there's, you know, there's literally, there's the obligatory casino scene, there's an underground, you know, basement scene, there's the the scene in which they're pulling one over on the other participant. You know, it's kind of like, no... They, they do a good job of making sure you're not just watching the same match over and over, so to speak. So I, I do appreciate that. At the end of the day, it's like, it, it is a very, actually, I think, underrated gem. And that's pretty much all I can say for it, in that it is totally worth a watch. And I really think if you haven't seen it in a while, like you'll some, be surprised by how well it holds up in some respects. Uh, I didn't mention this earlier, but uh, it looks actually pretty great. It's, um, it's uh, there, there are some colors that are really nicely used, like in the... Um, the middle scene in the movie between Mike and Worm and the uh, the gymnasium, okay. like the way that that's washed in yellow, just looks really great. Just some you know above grade stuff, and so overall, it's like it's actually pretty impeccably directed. For I can see actually now that you mentioned it, how this guy would go on to do Hannibal because he d- he did have an eye even back then. Um, but at the end of the day, it is a little slight. Like nobody's really a dynamite character, so to speak. Is there something funny? No, I'm just thinking back of that scene in the the gymnasium where it's just like Worms, like, what did I ever do to that guy? He was like chasing after me and wanted to kill me until he got like a garbage can stuck on his head. It's like, it's like you fucked his mom. I was like, oh yeah, she was a really hot looking lady though. I was just like, what the fuck, Worm? Whatever floats your boat. God, Worm. Uh, but. What they say? Oh, but yeah, so it's kind of like at the end of the day, there's really nothing remarkable about this, but it is remarkable that it all does work. I mean, mm-hmm. which sounds like an insult, but it's not because this, even when you watch it today, it does kind of feel like a straight to video film in some ways, as far as like it had this very narrow minded uh, scope, so to speak. Um, but it really is actually a lot of fun. I had some great uh, performance. Excuse me, some great performances by uh, supporting characters like Martin Landau and John Turturro. Like we had discussed, I really, I don't think I've said a single word about John Malkovich this entire review, and that's on purpose. I know, I know you're not a, uh, not a huge fan of that character. I mean, it's not like I watch it and I can't stand it or whatever, but just it just does nothing for me whatsoever. Like, even if it is that obnoxious, it's kind of like, okay, John, settle down. But <laughs> um, So yeah, overall, I enjoy my time with this movie, and as the years will go by, if I haven't seen it since now or whatever, I probably will forget it, but that's also, sometimes those are the best movies. It's like the ones that aren't good enough that you'll always remember it, but are good enough that when you revisit them, you'll still have a good time, and that's 
the kind of movie it is for me. So I, I'd give it three and a half out of stars, actually. Okay. Out of stars. Three, three and, and a half, half out of stars. Three that's and a half stars out of five. There we are. There we that's, the, that's the one. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to rounders for me, I've, uh, I've been, uh, been a big fan pretty much ever since I saw for the first time many, many years ago now. And I will say that I feel like I'm kind of with you, Nick, that I, I like it for somewhat different reasons now than, than back then. I, I loved Edward Norton's portrayal of the character because I liked Edward Norton back then, you know, when I saw this movie for the first, second, third time back in the early 2000s because I liked so much of what he is doing at the time. You know, he was great in American History X. I obviously love Fight Club. And he was still playing that kind of obnoxious character that we see in some of his other films from his early days. Uh, where now he's sort of changed the kind of character he usually plays in films uh, a little bit, and he seems to have become a little bit different of a uh, an actor when it comes to choices of roles that he takes. Um, but I was loving what he was doing uh, back in the late 90s, and I... Uh, obviously love his role in this film and other characters too. Obviously we talked at length about uh, Matt Damon, also uh, Famke Jansen, uh, Gretchen Mull, John Turturro, and even John Malkovich. And you can not like him, which is totally fine. And I can totally see why anybody wouldn't like him in this movie, but I'm, I'm able to get on board with uh, his portrayal. I, I enjoy it and I enjoy a lot of parts of this film. Um, however, uh, it, it, at the end of the day, it's a movie about poker and it's, it is lacking at certain points of the movie. It is has kind of a, a weird pace to it. And um, it's really kind of an incomplete film, too, as we, we really see what happens with Mike, and we really see kind of what his future becomes. But we really get an incomplete from every other character in the film. We don't really know anything about what happens with Gretchen Maul. We know nothing about what happens with Worm. Uh, all the other characters really have this incomplete story in the film, which supporting characters usually do, but for a film that has so many sort of loose ends, we don't really get too much closure with other characters other than what happens with Mike. There was talk like years ago about a follow-up. There was Rounders. talk of a sequel for a long time. Yeah. And that still hasn't come to pass at all, which is okay with me. I don't really think we, and it's gotten to the point now where it would be like a totally different film. It would be like a, a wall street, Two kind of situation, yeah. which is going to be awful. Yeah. God awful. <laughs> I actually didn't hate Wall Street too. I'm I'm probably alone in that one. But yeah. the Rounders it's... sequel will open up with Damon getting out of prison and Worm picking him up. <laughs> oh, one cell phone. It's just a really large cell phone. It's like ha ha because he was old. Remember 1998? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I mean, it could be interesting if there was actually a sequel now because guess, of the shift in how poker is played. Right, but. and I will say this much, it's the kind of sequel that could be made logistically because you could be as old as you want, and, you know, as far as physically it's not like it would look embarrassing for these two guys, obviously, to come back. But at, at the same time, though, this film um, is is a lot of fun, I think. It's a, a lot of fun. Uh, some good characters, some, some actually pretty decent character development throughout the film for certain characters, not so much for others, and uh, a lot of just classic, classic lines from this film, which luckily we haven't gone out of our way to drop all of them on this episode as we have previously done, but, um, you know, it's probably okay that we, we push past some of those for this episode, but uh, I'm going to give uh, Rounders the same uh, rating that Nick did as I uh, give it three and a half out of five stars. <laughs> three and a half out of stars. What? Three and a half out of stars. Yes. What? I don't appreciate this. <laughs> oh, you don't appreciate being made fun of. 
Shocking. Yeah. Um, but yeah, three and a half out of five for me. <gasps> and uh, that was my rating. Let's move on to Tucson, who started off this whole uh, this whole calamity. And uh, we'll see how <laughs> he started is. off this calamity. That is right. Holy calamity. Oh. <laughs> I'm not even going to get into it. No, no, no. Oh, man. All you're going to be is another great fan of me, Brick. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. You, can't, uh, you can't rap that and not have somebody follow up. I was up. like, oh, man. You never heard that song? Oh, Alex. God, now I got that stuck in my head. I'm going to repeat that thing I said earlier about our friendship. Fuck it. Okay, so Rounders... Yeah, I, I, I don't think that this is a perfect film by any right. Like I was honestly, I was a little bit bored by it by the the middle part, and the ending kind of like left me a little bit like like off. Uh, just like why would he go off on Vegas? Like I totally understand that, but it still seems kind of a uh, he's a gambler. Yeah, yeah, he's a gambler at heart. He's not going to change. Like he knows who he is, even though he kind of like got back on like under not good circumstances with his bullshit asshole friend. Um, he, he at least found his calling in the end, so at least that's a that's a good thing. I'd have to give this film a uh, three out of five. Three out of five. I thought it was a solid film. I don't think it was a perfect film, but uh, yeah, it was like I would definitely recommend it. Yeah, there was a character named Grandma in this movie. Yeah, played by a man. Grandma. Grandma. I thought I smelled him. What a horrible line that was. Jesus. But you know, whatever. It's okay. Yeah, there are good and bad lines in this film, and uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. So, yeah, thank you uh, very much for listening to uh, this episode of Film Tank. It was uh, fun to talk about Rounders. Another film we're going to talk about uh, this coming uh, week uh, is actually uh, an animated film, which is this the first animated film we've, we've done? Or we did now? Inside Out yeah. and the uh, the Disney countdown. Yeah, that's true. Um, but it's uh, so hand-drawn. Well, not hand-drawn, uh, but the first exclusive hand-drawn episode we've done. I guess that would be one way to put it, yes. Yeah. Um, and this is getting away from Disney, too. Obviously, this is not a, a Disney movie, but uh, Batman Mask of the Phantasm. Yeah! Uh, it was brought up by Toussaint in our uh, superhero episode, was mm-hmm. it not? Yes. Uh, he was a, a big fan of this, and uh, I am a huge Batman fan. It's, uh, obviously, I watched a lot of uh, Batman live action and uh, the Batman animated series when I was a kid. Uh, so obviously Kevin Conroy who plays Batman and uh, voices him in this movie along with Mark Hamill as Joker. Yeah, which is great and apparently he's uh coming back for the uh the next Batman The Killing Joke. Yeah. Yes. So I know you are excited about that. And I'm sure we'll talk a lot more about that uh that upcoming movie when we talk about Batman Mask of the Phantasm on the next episode, but that's just to give you a listener an idea of what's coming next. Uh, if you have suggestions of what other movies you'd like us to review or anything else you'd like us to talk about on the show, uh, movie or TV related, you can send those uh, requests to filmtankshow at gmail.com. You can also um, find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Film Tank Show. And you can always find all of our episodes on our website, filmtankshow.com, and also on iTunes where you can find us at Film Tank. Just Film Tank or Film Tank Show? Film Tank Show. Film Tank Show. So uh, from Tucson Egan, Nick Cheney, and myself, Alex Diekman, thank you very much for listening, and we will catch up with you next time.